you know, wealth is a skill based on numbers and these are all proportionate. You know, if I'm going to buy the building for this, I can charge lower rent. Multiplier is still the same because on the exit, let me tell you on the exit, when I buy them, the fund buys them all cash. So my money comes in all cash. We give the proof of fund to the joint venture partner, buy them all cash. We give the money to the tenants for tenant improvement so they can improve the place. Within two to three months, they're ready to operate. The value of the building, once they sign the lease, is way up here. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategies podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Sharif Medawar from the Secured Fixed Income Fund. And today we're talking about a really interesting, innovative strategy that he has to target single tenant commercial real estate properties. And it's different. You probably have not heard this strategy before. It's really interesting. I originally heard Sharif describe this investment strategy a few years ago at a real estate guy's Secrets of Successful Syndication event. And uh, I was just fascinated. It's different. It's so different. He's going to tell you about it, describe how it works. And uh, there's two angles here, really. There are opportunities to joint venture with Sharif and go find deals and make fantastic returns. And then, like I said, he's the secured fixed income fund guy. So there is an opportunity to passively invest. If you like the sound of this strategy, you like how the returns are secured and managed and diversified and all that, he's going to describe all that for you. There's an opportunity to go passive as well. And uh, I love these innovative strategies and Sharif's got a really innovative one. So he's going to tell you all about it. Just like I said, for those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Love talking about these innovative real estate investing strategies that carve out a niche and do fantastic and provide a great secured passive return for investors. I love this one. I was really happy to talk with Sharif again and hear that this this strategy is still working out for him all these years later from when I originally heard him describe it. So without any further ado, here we go with Sharif Medawar. Sharif, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. We met a few years ago at a real estate guys event and you described this business model that you have. You know, folks can really get into and I thought it'd be interesting to discuss on the show today. So, you know, let's dive into it. But first, before we dive into it, can you tell our listeners a bit about, you know, yourself and your background so we have a bit of a frame for what you do? Yes. Okay. So I'm a real estate fund manager. I uh, pool investors' money together and I deploy it in various projects under a fund instead of syndication where it's just one project at a time. A fund has different projects, different properties, etc. And I also have my own mixed use of commercial portfolio for my own account. And that's the fun part that also educate people. Nice. And that's where I originally heard about you getting educated on this topic, this model that you do. And really, you know, let's dive into it. Tell us about the uh, single tenant commercial and, and, and commercial investments that uh, you do and, and teach folks to do. I like the strategy where um, we find single tenant buildings, a standalone freestanding building, if you will, that can accommodate uh, one tenant at a time. These type of tenants could be like Jack in the Box, Starbucks, Popeyes, et cetera, et cetera. 
And what we do is we find these buildings vacant and then we put the building under contract. And uh, we, of course, when it's vacant, it's not producing any income, so you can get a very good deal. So we put it really at a low price, as low as possible under contract, say 600,000. And we usually, when you put it under contract, you have 45 days for due diligence. You can inspect the property, have access to it with no obligation to buy it. And another 15 days to close. So we're in control for 45 to 60 days. And what we do is we start smiling and dialing, contacting these national tenants. And we have, uh, I've compiled a list of over 4,000 national tenants, their name, the actual uh, tenants they like to be nearby, the size of space they want, who to contact, and what they want to hear, really. And I combined this list, and I've been training people to identify these buildings, put them under contract, and they even use my proof of fund from the fund. When we get them under contract, they call the tenants and they offer the property. And all we need is really one tenant to call back and say, yes, I'm interested. I want to lease this space. And usually they want the lease for 10 to 15 years. These type of leases are triple net, meaning the tenant will pay the property taxes, property insurance, and property maintenance. And they offer a corporate guarantee. So it's one of the best type of leases you can have for commercial real estate. Because you put a tenant and you have peace of mind and freedom for 10 to 15 years. You just have direct deposits in the bank account. Uh, of course, it sounds a lot simpler than doing it because you have to do a lot of phone calls, a lot of follow-ups. And then when they get on the call, you have to know how to negotiate. But I do all this part. I do the negotiation with the tenants. I offer them tenant improvement money. Sometimes they want 50000 100000 But the beauty is once they sign the letter of intent, let's say Starbucks want to lease for 10 years with a corporate guarantee, triple net, escalation, 3% increase every year. And let's say they're going to pay 5000 a month. That's 60,000 a year, where the building value goes up to a million dollars because it's 6% cap. That means a million dollar capital, 60,000 net operating income. So the property is under contract at 600. A tenant says, I'm interested. It jumps to a million. That's 400,000 instant increase in value before we even close the deal. If a tenant does not call us back during the 45 days, let's say we called and we just made the effort called 50, 60 tenants, not one of them called us back, we don't have to buy it. We just called escrow, called the broker who listed the property, and we canceled the deal and walk away. If you put 5,000 or 6,000 earnest money deposit, it's fully refundable. There is no downside, a huge upside. And once you close the deal, you have instant increase in net worth. You have cash flow for many years. This has been by far one of the best strategies I've done. It changed my net worth tremendously in the early 2000s. I've done this from really very actively 2003 to 2006, totally changed my life. And then I started training people, showing them how to go and do it. And then it hit me. What if I actually do it for me and with me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm training people and I go back and ask them, did you do it? Well, you know, the broker asked me for proof of funds because it's commercial deal. They didn't take me seriously. And then I would uh, ask people, okay, did you get the deal? Yeah, I put the proof of funds. I put it. I didn't know how to negotiate. The deal didn't make sense. So I realized I had to give people the formulas of exactly step by step. Actually, I do a training for exactly 10 steps. The building we're looking for, there are 15 criteria we're looking for. When you talk to the broker, there are very specific things you have to say. There is very specific stuff you have to give the broker. The letter of intent to purchase the building, there is specific steps and stuff so they can take you seriously because commercial brokers are professional. 
They, they want to move quickly. And when you actually talk to the tenants, there is an email you have to prepare. There is a video we take of the property, certain pictures taken in a certain way, some attachment to the email. And that's what really sets us apart. And I've done incredibly well with this. We have over 2,000 video success stories on YouTube. And it just, we deployed over $100 million successfully so far with this stuff. Wow. It's really, really amazing, yes. That's cool. So, I mean, there's a, a, a lot to unpack there. And it's a fascinating strategy. I suppose, you know, if I'm going to, I want to ask some pointed questions, I suppose, that folks might have. Like, number one, somebody owns this building already. If there's that much upside, why don't they do this? Okay, so usually a lot of times the owner of these uh, buildings, so let's say the person that owns the building had a tenant, like, uh, like we have a deal right now, Wells Fargo was in the building for many, many years. Wells Fargo left. That person doesn't know how to bring another tenant, has no idea how to actually sit down, prepare a package, talk to tenants, negotiate an LOI. So he calls a broker. The broker tells the guy, listen, let me go ahead and list it for you. And we're going to put a sign saying available. If somebody comes to buy it, we sell it, we get you from under it, you owe some money. If a tenant comes, we negotiate the lease. The broker has really more interest in selling the property than in sitting down, smiling and dialing and calling 50, 60 tenants. And you talk to the broker and the broker says, look, you know, I prefer to just list them, go to the next owner and try to list the property. It's a lot faster, easier for me. And... Uh, there are some brokers that deal exclusively with, let's say, Chase Bank or Wells Fargo to place them in locations. But we even identify these, these brokers by calling Wells Fargo. And then Wells Fargo says, deal with Coldwell Banker, commercial division, these people in this region. So a lot of times the owners of the buildings don't know or don't want to deal with it. And the brokers they talk to encourages them to sell instead of actually work with tenants. Interesting. Okay. So in real estate, especially with commercial brokers, you know, there are a lot fewer players in many markets and there might be a handful of brokers that control most of the deal flow, at least in multifamily, I'm in multifamily backgrounds. So there are a handful of stars and in this commercial space, you know, people, people hate when you burn them, especially brokers and that burning them is when a deal falls through. So one of the things I wonder is if you get to the end of this study period, you didn't find a tenant, you call this broker and say, hey, I couldn't make it happen you know, we're going to have to back out of the deal. I need my earnest money back and your good reputation with that broker and kind of lock you or lock up someone out of a market. Like what's the, the risk there? Okay. Very good point. We don't want to upset the brokers. We don't actually look for distressed sellers. It's not like it's a strategy where we have to find a very down under luck seller or something. We often make the offer very close to the asking price. And what we tell the brokers is, listen, we have 45 days is we encourage you to line up another offer. If you have a backup offer, we respect that, but we're gonna be diligent for 45 days to do what we need to do. So often if we have doubt in all this, we try to disclose as much as possible. And we also use the same listing broker. We don't bring our own brokers to do this. So the listing broker works with us. They double dip, if you will. They represent the seller, they represent us as buyers. So they work with us a little bit. And yes, every now and then they're not too happy. No broker is happy when the property is under contract and then it falls out of escrow. But these particular type of properties are very peculiar. And if we're not owner users, this is what happens. We just have to back up. You know, I'm not going to buy an empty building. That's just like buying a problem, you know. Interesting. Okay. So at that front stage where you're evaluating the property, even before that, you don't have it on contract yet. 
and you know, do you, I guess, inform the broker that, hey, here's the strategy that we pursue. If we go under contract, this is what we're going to be doing. Or how much is it? Hey, we're going under contract. We're going to figure it out and then we'll get out later. Like how much discussion is there? There's this possibility of us if we don't find a potential tenant that, you know, we're going to have to back out. 50% of the time they know that we are taking it because we're a fund because they represent me. So they say, even the offer is made in their name, you know, Suzanne Johnson and or Mixif, which is my fund. And uh, so they know it's a fund. They see on the website that we have these type of properties, that this is what we do. 50% of the time they ask, well, what if you don't find a tenant? What are you going to do? Well, we're going to back out of the contract. And that's when they say, whoa, 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 this is going to be like a delay of, listen, and we say, if, if for the next three weeks, we don't get one call back from any tenant, we're not going to waste your time. We're not going to waste our time. We're going to back out of the deal. And if you feel you want to line up another tenant, we have no issue with it. So we try to be as careful and as upfront as possible because you never want bad karma in business, number one. Number two, we want everything to move forward. We want them to actually be excited to tell somebody, you know what, the deal is under contract, but they may not close. So you can come in. Like we had a deal in Dallas at a million five. That's the asking price. We put it under contract at a million too. And uh, two weeks into it, they called us and they said, the broker called us and said, I have somebody else interested. We said, okay, line them up. We're going to let you know in two weeks. If we don't buy, we're not going to wait the whole 45 days. So it was a win-win all over. Mm-hmm. Actually, right now, with the COVID-19 time, we actually focus on single tenant, second generation, third generation food places. That means second generation, meaning the first tenant was a food tenant because the QSRs, the quick service restaurants are the fastest growing and most active tenants right now. We used to deal with jewelers. We used to deal with retailers. Now clothing retailers, I mean, they're not growing. They're getting smaller, if you will. They're just actually not as big as they used to be, but uh, quick service restaurants, they seem to continue doing well. And they are actually, we're able to get deals that before we used to make an offer like that million five in Dallas, before COVID-19 would have to offer a million 450. We offered a million two and they took it. Mm. We asked for the 45 to 60 days. They asked about 50 days. You know, it's like, so this is great because if we're able to get them a little bit lower, we're able to offer the tenants lower rent. So they're able to lock in a 15-year commitment, which make the value of the building even higher. So it's been, believe it or not, COVID-19 has been a blessing for many of my joint venture partners. I train them, make them as joint venture partners, and we do the deals. So it's been pretty good. So I'm glad you brought that up. I wanted to, of course, address some of the, and make sure we touched on the impact of COVID-19 on your business. Is it just, it sounds like on the buy side, you get better deals because kind of the buyer pool it's of those properties as, as dried up a bit because people are afraid. But on the other side, you need someone to lease the building out. How has that been impacted, if at all? The quick service restaurants are the ones that are active. So we really look for um, single tenant buildings with the drive through that used to be operated by another food tenant because you have the extractor, you have the hood, you have the dining area, you have the whole kitchen, the walk-in cooler, the storage, the grease trap. You have everything that is needed. And I train my students slash investors what we're looking for, how to take a video, what to highlight in the email. They send me the email. I package it correctly. 
I'm the one doing the training. I work very directly with the joint venture partners and I'm the one negotiating the leases because at the end of the day, when the property goes from the 600,000 under contract, we line up the tenant and it's now worth a million to a million one. I pay these uh, students, these joint venture partners on that upside 10 to 25%. So on 400,000, they get $40,000 at closing through the settlement statement on the HUD one. And if the tenant signs for 15 years, which is what we shoot for, we pay them 25% of the upside, which on a 400,000, they get 100,000 at the closing. So actually we end up like one out of three students that are joint venture partners are brokers that realize, wait a minute, I can make more money doing this, <laughs> brokering, you know, and there's no downside. So that's cool. That's interesting. So these single, these restaurants, quick service restaurants, QSRs, as you're calling them, they're still leasing out properties are still showing interest in growing, at least in certain areas. Yes. Yes. We've had a lot of activities in Fort Lauderdale. We had activities hmm. in Dallas. We, we have even outside small city, outside Kansas city, I can't remember the name, but they want to negotiate a good lease and we're able to negotiate a good lease because we're able to negotiate a good price. It's all relative. You know, wealth is a skill based on numbers and these are all proportionate. You know, if I'm going to buy the building for this, I can charge lower rent multiplier is still the same because on the exit, let me tell you on the exit, when I buy them, the fund buys them all cash. So my money comes in all cash. We give the proof of fund to the joint venture partner, we buy them all cash. We give the money to the tenants for tenant improvement so they can improve the place. Within two to three months, they're ready to operate. The value of the building, once they sign the lease, is way up here. So I'm able to turn around and sell them because it is a flight to safety right now. A lot of people want that steady income. I mean, in, in California, we can sell these at 4% cap and they're still selling. It's really strange for me that people would rather get 4% in a building like this, but then they say, listen, I got the corporate guarantee. I got the steady income with no hassles. So there is always the exit. The exit is easy. We would be remiss if we didn't discuss the fund side of things. And, you know, logic dictates you probably need investors for that fund. So can you tell us a bit about say more passive side of this transaction about, you know, what it means for your investors, where you're, investor capital comes from, your ideal investor. I mean, tell us about that side. So I started the fund in 2009. And what happened is I was teaching a training in San Francisco by the San Mateo Marriott. And one of the students in 2009, remember the market was very bad. So I was explaining how I made money. I did this and I'm showing the HUD one when I bought, the HUD one when I sold. And one student raised his hand in the class and I said, yeah, go ahead. And he said, Sharif, I've been watching you for years. I want to do what you do, but if I make a mistake, I'll get a divorce. <laughs> I look at the audience and I said, uh, all right, what's your question? And he said, can I just give you my money and you do it? I want to piggyback on your knowledge, your connections, your credit and all this. So jokingly, I turned the question to the audience. I said, okay, how many people here would rather just give me the money? And they raised their hand and smiled at me. I said, oh my God. I've been training people and about half the audience want to just give me the money. The other half want to do the work and get paid for the transactions. So needless to say, it was a wake up call. I had them fill out a form, put your name with how much you will invest. And what happened is in that room, we had $3.8 million ready to be deployed. So nice. the rest, we rolled out the fund 2009. We paid investors 6%. If they put 25,000 to 249, we pay them 8%. If they put 250,000 above, we have the money that comes in. It's fully cross-collateralized against over 100 million in assets. 
it's fully liquid. If they want to cash out, they don't have to be in the fund for five or six years. They can cash out within a 12 months notice. We cashed out people in 90 days. We have total diversification. We have luxury homes in San Francisco that we buy, fix, and flip. We have the commercial single tenant uh, joint venture deals that we do. We have mixed-use commercial in Puerto Rico that are next to where the cruise ships arrive. And we also have now assisted living facilities that we're actually uh, building, and we will be acquiring them next year. We have two lined up in 2021. So fully diversified by location, type of investing, which is flips or hold, and style of deployment of the capital. Is the fund still open, and are you able to disclose what returns look like now? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've, we've always made money. Actually, we've never lost on a deal. If people go to Mixif.com or SFI.com, we have two funds. And they're sister funds. One is Reg D506C, because I can publicly solicit and say the numbers that I just shared with you. If they go to, let's say, SFI fund, which is Secured Fixed Income Fund, so SFIfund.com, they will see a video, 14 minutes, I explain all the details. They will click on the sec.gov. They will see an actual audit from the sec.gov by the regulators showing my net worth in the 60 million plus in 2015. They see the transaction, all the transactions, the properties I'm holding personally in my personal portfolio. It's all fully disclosed, actually. Fully transparent. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's pretty cool. Well, I think it's a fascinating strategy and definitely very unique. I'm not aware of anybody else out there that's pursuing what you're pursuing. So uh, that's great. I love it. And uh, right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Sharif, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Yes, I am. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Okay, great question. Best investment was actually a building that was downstairs retail that was vacant first second floor and then the top floor was a penthouse really nice and was in puerto rico and i put it under contract for five thousand dollars i put the earnest money five thousand dollars and the address is 211 cristo street also in juan puerto rico 00901 i like to tell addresses and very detailed okay the seller wanted 3.5 million totally inflexible I even flinched, like when he said 3.5 million, I said 3.5 million, thinking he's going to go down. And he, he said to me, are you calling me to cry or to buy? <laughs> <laughs> so I put it under contract and I figured, you know, I have 45 days, I'll call and we'll see what happens. This is many, many years ago. And lo and behold, I got a call back from Puma Corporation and they actually leased the building. I told them I wanted to lease the downstairs, first and second floor for 20,000 a month, which is 240,000 a year. What they did is they immediately signed the letter of intent. And I actually got the closing of the building full $3.5 million loan. I put practically no money down. I mean, the whole thing was $5,000 from my pocket because the seller, I closed earlier and the seller paid the closing cost. Well, I got the building downstairs, first and second floor became worth $4 million. That's why they gave me the loan. And upstairs, the penthouse, beautiful penthouse with a view of the ocean where the cruise ships arrived in the old San Juan port, we did what's called horizontal segregation when you separate the deeds. So actually I created three separate deeds instead of one deed. And I sold the penthouse. It sold for $2 million. <laughs> the best part is when we're at the closing table, the banker comes over to me. He said, all right, the $2 million coming, we gave you $3.5 million loan. But the two million coming, is it okay if you don't reduce the debt? You just cash out the two million because we like our loan 
on the first and second floors with this corporate guarantee because Puma Corporation corporate guarantees $800 million. So I cashed out $2 million literally tax-free because we put that the cost basis of the penthouse is $2 million. Wow. I mean, seriously, that is one of the best deals I've ever done. I've done some very similar, great, incredible deals where I refinanced and cashed out. But something like this where I took it and did the exact same stuff that I've been sharing with you, you know, called, signed the LOI, negotiated the deal, did all the work, and then had the bonus of the upstairs to sell on its own. That was just the best deal. Really awesome deal. I was nice. at the right time in my life. I wanted to buy something in Cancun. I actually, <laughs> I bought part of a hotel in Cancun. And I live here, I'm actually in Cancun right now. I live here in a condo hotel beachfront because of that deal. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. We had the best deal. Now we go to the worst deal. What is the worst investment you ever made? Okay, the worst investment, I had the idea in 2013 to start my own bank. And um, I met with the commissioner of financial institutions, started the website, metawarbank.com, hired all these expert attorneys and bankers, even the interview, just to interview these people, we would go to lunch or dinner several times the entire process was so slow, so excruciating and overwhelming for me. It's like I had to study so much about banking and I have to know your customer and all this. And then after spending close to $100,000 and it was six months into it, I realized as I was sitting with the commissioner of financial institution that if I have a bank, I have to pay the compliance people a lot of money and they have more control than me as the owner of the bank. I said, why am I doing this? I have the real estate funds. I have my own investment. Why do I want to complicate my life? So I was sitting right there and I said, I said, is it okay if I can cancel the application? <laughs> he looked at me and he said, after all what we've done, I said, is, is that all right? He said, yeah, no refund on the application fee and all this. I said, no problem. And I just canceled it. Like, so that was a bad investment. Although I did learn, like you say, you know, you always pay for your uh, own knowledge and learning experience. So I learned a lot. It helped me in my investment world, but uh, that was a waste of time and a lot of money. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Well, it would have been a bigger waste of time had you gone through. Yes. So you saved yourself, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? Most important lesson is really who you're dealing with. You not only want ethical, hardworking people, but you also want them solvent. Because if you're dealing with a very honest person and they can't pay you, there's nothing you can do. All you can do is cry with him or her. So I always look at if I'm doing deals with somebody, do they have the collateral, not just the character? Because I don't want to put any money up front without having a huge margin of safety. And uh, when I deal with contractors and all this, I want always the margin of safety. Have you done it before? What if something goes wrong? Are you bonded? Can I go after something? It's not gonna be your word. It's gonna be what other assets you have so I don't have to not sleep at night. So that was something I've always lived by and it saved me from a lot of problems when the markets went down in 2001, 2008. And right now, I actually have done even better when the markets go down because of that philosophy. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> Somebody's got to do well. Well, Sharif, thank you for joining us today, telling us about your strategy, your funds and everything. If folks want to learn more, if they want to get in touch, what have you, whether they want to go find deals or they want to passively invest, where can they find you? 
they can actually find us at sfifund.com securityfixedincomefund.com so the actual website sfifund.com and my email is there are videos and all that and we're happy to respond and reply to everyone great well thanks once again uh, it's fascinating it's been great to talk with you again and I'm, I'm glad to hear that over the past few years the strategy has been working out for you since i first heard about it back at a real estate guys event so thank you much so much appreciate it Pleasure to reconnect with you. Thank you. Likewise. So to everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciated. Helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thanks for tuning in once again. Have a great rest of your day and a great week. And we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye. <laughs>